0: Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly.
1: What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are. We're doing another interview. Uh, we listened to our listeners. You guys have enjoyed the interviews at this point. We have one of our very first listeners on the show tonight with us. She found us probably one of the first 10 emails or messages we got on LinkedIn. Her name is Samantha Barham, and she joins us all the way from Philadelphia tonight. Thanks for joining us, Samantha.
2: Hey, thank you guys for having me.
1: So Samantha was a young, almost brand new sales rep 18 or so months ago when she found us on the interwebs and was excited to find the podcast. We probably had a dozen shows published at the time and she sent a, a message on LinkedIn and we were probably on the phone chatting about her future career uh, just a short 24 hours later. Samantha's gone from through at least two or three roles that I'm aware of, has moved a long way from her home base in Raleigh, North Carolina, and is now in Philadelphia Samantha, tell us a little bit about the role you're in today and a little bit about how you got there through your career.
2: Yeah, so I am uh, in a commercial rep covering uh, our customers in Philadelphia, and I started in inside sales. So I started as a sales development rep or a BDR, cold calling our customers in uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. And then I, shortly after that, moved into an inside sales role covering customers, also in Pennsylvania and Delaware. And then, um, yeah, just a couple months ago, I moved up to Philadelphia, and now I'm working with um, our customers and, and facing them. And, and instead of having to work from from Raleigh, I'm living in territory. And so, yeah, just, just taking it on.
1: And what company do you work for?
2: I work for NetApp.
1: And just at a high level, um, what does NetApp do for our listeners so they would know?
2: We are a data management company. We've been around for I believe 27 years. And essentially, we try to provide our customers or we do provide our customers the ability to have their data when they want it, when they need it. And it doesn't matter where it lands and it can land in the cloud. It can land um, on prem in their data center or it can land near cloud. And we have different solutions that fit any mold that fits their business needs. And and that's kind of, you know, where we differentiate ourselves in the industry.
0: So, Samantha, you started off in inside sales and you've progressed now to field sales in territory. How did you get into technology sales in the first place?
2: It's a pretty interesting story. So I actually did not come from any sort of tech background. I used to act, I used to coach competitive cheerleading and I managed a gymnastics gym for about seven years and one of the parents of the kids that I coached worked at NetApp and thought that that would be a great fit and I had just finished college and got my degree and started I went through this awesome program called the S3 Academy where I was in training for three months and got you know hit with a fire hose and was given all of the different tools and resources that were so incredible. And um, that led me into sales, and that's where I started. And, and then I figured out from there that I wanted to, you know, essentially be in front of our customers, um, giving them what we have to offer face-to-face.
0: So I, we talked to so many people that that came into technology sales from so many different backgrounds. It's it's not something you can necessarily get a, a degree in. So. When this parent told you about, you know, getting into technology sales, what did that, did it even have context to you? Had you heard of it before? Um, yeah. How long, I guess, what was the path of your, just your understanding of what this career even meant?
2: I honestly never wanted to be in sales. (laughs) It was not Mm -hmm. something that was on my path of, uh, it was not on my trajectory for my career. It was not something that I had in the forefront of my mind. Um, I have always loved working with kids and it was something that I had enjoyed doing. And I got to a point where I'd been doing it for a really long time and I just wanted to change it up and do something that challenged me. And that's really where going to work at NetApp came from. And I didn't have a background there and I don't know that that really hurt me. I, I came in with a, you know, a fresh mindset and, um, I think that coming into sales, I, I didn't really, I had this this perception of what I thought sales was and it's, you know, there's different ways that you can go about it. And, I, and I've tried to be as authentic as I can as I've gone through the process. But yeah, I mean, my my path of, of my career and what I had thought for myself was not sales previously. So it's been really fun and interesting to go about the motions and, and get to where I've I've gotten to so far.
1: That is interesting. But I think there is a pretty big correlation with what, what is a coach or someone who teaches people how to do things? How how well does that align to a future seller? Right? I mean, there's definitely correlation to someone who teaches kids how to be a better cheerleader or gymnastic person and how to get solutions done or how to help people in, in, in corporate America. Do you agree?
2: I I definitely agree and I didn't realize it until I got into the account management role. Right. So I started as a uh, sales development rep and I was cold calling. And then once I got into the account management rep and I was having to really go through the motions of what it meant to be an account manager, I really started to see the correlation between what I had done before and working with kids or trying to get them to an end, um, an end goal or with parents where I was trying to, um, help them, uh, or, or get them, corral them to a a specific place or make sure that they knew, um, what the expectation was for what they were going to and, and really trying to be organized, like just little tiny things, maybe not everything that, that I'm doing in my job now, but there's, there's definitely a correlation there between, um, what I was doing before and what I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that it helped.
1: So I made some estimations a while ago, but when when did you actually get into tech sales and how long have you been in tech sales now? I guess, and if you could kind of give us a time frame for each of those roles, like the training component, the cold calling component, the inside sales, and then maybe outside sales.
2: So I started at NetApp in June of 2017 and I was in a training program that lasted three months. It's a great program. It's called the S3 Academy. Um, slight plug there, but I was in that for three months, got done in August and started as a sales development rep. So I was cold calling our customers in the territory that was assigned to me until, let's see, I started that in August. I became, I was promoted to an inside sales rep or a commercial territory rep in, um, I believe in August of last year. So that was August of 2018. And then in May or April, at the end of April of uh, 2019, so this year, I um, was promoted to a commercial territory manager or field rep, whatever you want to call it.
1: Um, so there's like a lot of correlation of when you started listening to the show and when you got your first promotion.
2: <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay,
1: just, just check. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, no, really. Though I will say, um, when I first started, I was looking for all these different resources. Um, I was looking on the, online, like uh, w- what resources were out there for new sales reps, or just podcasts. I, I had to sit in the car for forty minutes when I was driving to work, and I driving is my time where I feel like it's like meditative for me. And so I looked on the the podcast app on my iPhone and was looking up sales. Uh, related podcasts and within the tech industry. And this one literally popped up and I started listening to it and um, it really resonated with me. A lot of the things that you guys talk about and the tools that you have. And so, yeah, that's when I reached out and was like, whatever, I don't have anything to lose. I might as well see if they'll help me. And uh, yeah, you guys have been really helpful. And I guess now we're here and I'm talking on your podcast. So I appreciate it.
0: Well, we appreciate you listening and you've turned on a lot of listeners too. So we appreciate that as well. You mentioned, um, it is funny too, cause we hear this a lot too. A lot of folks that get into this business didn't necessarily set out to do sales whenever they were in college. Um, what, what, you know, what did you, when you got into it, was it like what you expected Was sales, uh, you know, similar to what you expected, different than what you expected kind of what was, um, what were your expectations and then how did those differ from when you started the job?
2: So when I became, when I started in sales, uh, I guess my expectation prior to that was every any anyone that I'd ever encountered that was trying to sell something to me, right? Someone that annoyed me, or they were going after something, or they just were very relentless and wanted something from me, weren't necessarily bringing anything that I or listening to anything that I had to say. They were just trying to make a sale. So that was my, you know, original perception. Um, when I came into the sales role, I really tried to. My first thought was, I want to know what everyone's doing to be successful. Anyone that I can get my hands on that is being that is, has been super successful, or has seen success, or that my management or managers have said to reach out to, I want to know what they're doing. Then I tried to copy all of that. Well, that didn't work because you can't copy what someone's doing if it doesn't resonate with who you are in the processes that you would naturally go after. And I had a manager that actually said, Sam, you're doing all the right things, but you have to be yourself within this this area. you can't just copy what everyone's doing and expect that you're going to have the same success that they have. You have to be yourself at the end of the day. And so I think the one thing that I've learned the most is that I can take bits and pieces of different things that someone tells me or that I can learn from somebody else. But I have to also put my own spin on it and be who I am. Because that's going to come across very authentic, whereas if I take something that someone's told me or done, and I try to directly put that into my process, it's not going to come across as genuine. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. I, I, I didn't like what I thought sales was. And I've learned that it can be more than what you've experienced previously. You can make it your own. And, and you can really try to bring value to customers and, and, and do what you think is going to be best for the people that you're working with.
0: I, I think that's a great lesson for folks that are either looking to get into the industry or already in the industry. I think if you look back 10 years ago, people would have said you had to be a type A personality. You'd have to be an extrovert to be successful in it. And I think it's just been over the past four or five years to where companies have recognized that that authenticity and focusing on the customer is far more successful than a certain personality type. Uh, so yeah. that's a great perspective, Samantha.
1: I would also say that I think the internet probably changed some of that, right? Where some you know. of the information that you would only get from a go-getter, someone that would bang the door and throw stuff down your throat, that's how we got information 12 years ago. Um, yeah, you know, definitely. came along the iPhone and, and changed the way we kind of consume or get some of that information for sure. Samantha, we normally ask, you know, proudest moment type stuff. What, what In your short career in sales, you thought of it kind of as a – I won't say bad career, but maybe a little slimy before you got into it. What's, what's been one of your proudest business accomplishments to this point?
2: Um, I think probably getting to where I've gotten to now. Um, I don't really like to say that because I still feel like I haven't accomplished all that I want to. Um, but I, I am definitely very proud of what I have done. And, um, I I mean, I think that that's probably my, my biggest accomplishment is getting to where I've gotten to in the time that I've, that I've achieved it.
1: Well, I think you should be proud, Samantha. I think there's a lot of people that are listening that, um, may have been in your same shoes two years ago and that when they first listened to the podcast. And I think there's a lot of people listening today that might be in that first month that are doing the same thing you did, looking for a resource to learn from, And you now can probably teach them a lot. It's something to be proud of for sure.
0: Samantha, so uh, when you talk about moving from inside sales to outbound being a field account manager, um, it's a a big shift. We talk to inbound or uh, BDMs all the time that are looking to make that move. Like, tell us about what made you successful as a BDM. What things did you do that made you successful there? How did you start to prepare for being a field seller as well?
2: So I, I would say that the the biggest thing I did was I talked to people that were in that role and people that had come from inside sales and gone out to field sales more recently and wanted to understand what was the most uh, challenging part about that. What did they expect and what, what did it end up being? Um, what, they like about it and what they don't like about it because you know there there are some situations where maybe inside sales is the role that you want to take and you want to stay in inside sales and that's okay there's definitely some companies out there where they you know the structure is in place for you to go into inside sales and to stay there and and to not go into field and that's fine for me I, i like to be in front of people and talk to people so i was trying to understand what the expectation realistically should be set as in my mind, because I had an idea of what I thought it should be, but I wanted to talk to all the the people that I knew that had been recently inside sales and had gone to the field and what that looked like for them. And I I did that. I talked to management. I talked to, you know, my prospective manager who, who, who I thought that would be, and and got feedback on where they thought my strengths and weaknesses were what I could be doing that I wasn't doing. Um, I really tried to get a holistic view of all the things that I should be doing, what I'm doing good, what I could be doing better, maybe where I I shouldn't be expecting certain things from. So I, I don't know. I just, I really tried to, I'm a big resource person and, um, and I feel like if if you've got resources out there and people that you can talk to that can give you feedback and that are willing to give that to you, let them talk to you and, and ask questions because um, that's going to be your biggest asset in my opinion. So that's really where I focused my time on when I was trying to get prepared to move into this role.
1: It's almost, it's almost uncanny how many times the people that have been on the show say something very similar to that. Um, and they are either top achievers or soon to be top achievers. Um, you, you probably went through that S3 training with a group of people, I assume. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are, I assume that all of those people are in a field sales role yet.
2: No, not, not everybody, but there's a couple that have been promoted. Um, I, I I was the f- the first one to be promoted, but there's been a couple of that have gone to the field since then, and I know there's there's definitely some of the group that I came from in sales that are definitely hoping and and looking to get into that next role right now.
1: So I assume you stay in touch, and my question there is gonna is what what do you think those few people that are out in the field now that. They did differently, or are doing differently, to get to the field sooner than than maybe the rest of the class.
2: I think it goes back to being um, open to moving, right? Like, our, our most companies, NetApp specifically, we have our inside sales organization is in Raleigh. Um, a lot of other companies have it in Raleigh or Austin or in California. Um, some are in. Boston or Massachusetts. So I think that being able to, uh, be open to moving or willing to move and just raising your hand and saying, put me in like, this is, if you've got this availability here, I would love to go wave the flag for our company and and be in front of our customers and telling them how great our solutions are. Um, that is really, I think the biggest thing that you can do. Whereas there's, you know, if, if you don't want to move, that's okay. But Um, It definitely does make it harder to go into the field if you want to stay where your inside sales organization is and try to go into the field there. Because everyone's trying to go to that place,
0: right? Um,
2: So I think that was the thing. I I was willing to move.
0: Yeah. And how's it been? How's the move been?
2: (laughs) Um, it's been good. I, I really like living in Philadelphia. It's, it's really nice. I mean, I think the transition just to be honest for those out there that are looking to do this, I I don't think that I'd be doing justice if I wasn't completely candid. It's definitely difficult. I, I lived in North Carolina for 30 years. I had all of my friends and family right where I moved from and I moved to a place where I don't know anybody. Uh, but my my job is something that I really enjoy, and I think that's something that's really played a key part in this. I really like what I do, and um, so I think that that part will come with time, you know, making friends and, and feeling comfortable in a new place, but it's it's been a really good experience so far, and I'm really enjoying it.
0: I, I think I, I made a move, too, and I changed roles when I made a move, and I found that while it was challenging to... You know, it's always challenging to make a move. Of course, uh, I found that having kind of um, that change in my normal everyday approach gave me a little bit more time to focus on my job for a period of time. Did you find that to be true f- for yourself as well? Because it's a big transition, right? Moving from inside sales to to field sales is a big transition. So, uh, how's that transition been? And is that move helped it?
2: Yeah, that's funny that you say that. I uh, am I'm definitely a workaholic. Uh, at heart, yeah. <laughs> even in my previous role before I came into tech sales, um, so much to the point where now I, I do have my manager sometimes say like Sam take a break and, and like go do something yeah. else. It's it's okay, you're doing a great job, but I I mean I I definitely have time to focus on my job. You know, this is something I I moved here for this job, yeah. and and for me it's something that gives me a lot of pride and joy and I, I really appreciate the opportunity that I've been given. So I I like working and I may be different in that way that I'm a slight workaholic and I, I enjoy working. I don't really have a lot of distractions right now. So I feel like it, this is my time to really put all that focus there. There's going to be a time in my life where I do have distractions. So for right now, um, you know, my focus is work and and it's, I think, working out for me. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it sounds like it is. Sounds like it is. So what you, you kind of had, you, you spent a lot of time kind of investigating what the role would be like. You, you spoke to folks that were already in the role. So you, you probably built up a picture of what the role looks like. Has um, it been everything you expected? What do, what do you find to be easy? What do you find to be challenging?
2: I think uh, easy is... The selling motion or the, the, the process and the tools is this are the same between inside and outside. Yep. Um, challenging, I would say, managing my time of having to leave where I live and, you know, being on the, the, the amount of time that I'm on the road to go see a customer. So for me, if I have to go see a customer that's two hours away, that's essentially five hours out of my day where I'm not able to be responsive in email two hours out to see a customer, an hour minimum to see a customer, two hours back. Um, so yeah, that's five hours. And then I have to get back home and make sure that I'm responsive and doing the other things for customers that I maybe I wasn't seeing that day. So I think the time management of it all and really trying to know, okay, um, or look at what my next week looks like. So if I know that next week I'm going to be on the road every single day and I'm going to have multiple meetings in different places and I'm not going to be responsive to email or as responsive as I would like to be, I need to make sure that the really the top of mind things or or things that customers are waiting on for me, I get them out to them either early or I set the expectation of, hey, we, we you said you needed this. I'm going to do my best to get it to you at this time. I may be a getting it to you I just wanted to let you know just so that so that you're not putting pressure on yourself to pull over on the side of the road I mean that happens where you have to pull over and get a quote done or do something really quickly for a customer but you want to prevent that as much as possible right um so I think that's where the the time management of it all is something that I'm still trying to get good uh, or or better at because I I definitely like to set realistic expectations with customers and follow through appropriately.
1: So I had a question come to mind that we haven't asked before, so uh, this might take you back a little bit. But I normally would ask interviewees that were interviewing for sales roles for me kind of where they pictured themselves at the end of their career. You you being fairly new in your career and and new to still tech sales, but knowing that you have big aspirations, where where do you want to be 15, 20 years from now?
2: Um, I think about that a lot. Uh, I, I when I first started, it definitely looked different than it does now. So, when I first started in sales, uh, I will never forget. I sat down who, with who is my current boss now. He was our inside sales director at the time, and I told him, I want to I want to become an account manager, and then I would uh, in inside sales organization. Then I would like to move to the field, and then eventually I would like to move to either an enterprise role or at some point move to a management role and become a leader for our company. I know as a person, I really like giving back and I like teaching and I like coaching. And for me, it has been really fulfilling to go back and work with the S3 Academy that I came from and working with the new hires that we have coming through that program and giving them some sort of realistic view and feedback on someone that's in their position that's gone through all of the cycles and to give them someone to go to and talk to. And so I I don't know that that's 20 years down the road, but I will say that at some point in my career, I would like to have the opportunity to still be in sales, but also be able to give back on a consistent basis to that, um, new hire program that we have and be some sort of, um, leader or trainer in that way where I can help give our the sales organization that that is encompassing our new hires feedback and just someone that they can go to and ask questions to.
1: Nice. Obviously, it's rewarding. Brian and I do it on a weekly basis to pay things forward um, and still like to give back to those people that are learning how to be better sellers. Yeah. What do you do? whether it be on a regular basis or more random, to keep up with everything. Obviously, we're connected on LinkedIn. I see a lot of posts. But how do you manage all the influx of competitive information, uh, current information? I mean, NetApp's got to be releasing new stuff almost daily. And then really customers' needs and demands, not just your customers, but in in general theory. Like, How are they going to manage the data center of the future? How does Samantha new to tech sales keep up with everything that you need to keep up with to uh, stay attuned to tech and tech sales
2: so first I I ask a lot of questions (laughs) it's um it's a good thing but it's a fault of mine I, I definitely ask a ton of questions whether that's to different uh engineers that we have within our company or partners that I work with or customers that I have really good relationships with, I ask questions all the time. And it's, hey, are you looking at this? Or has this been something that has, you know, trickled down in conversation within any of the, you know, the people that you work with? Or, hey, did you see this? And does this resonate? Or um, how are you guys looking at using this technology? I think a lot of it comes from questions and then a lot of it just comes from really enjoying what I do and wanting to know more. You know, if you don't really like what you're doing, you're not going to give a lot of attention or uh, put a lot of time and effort into it. And I really like what I do. And I want to make sure that I am giving my customers the best advice that I can give them. And, and I hope that at the end of the day, the solution I'm giving them is going to fall in my favor but I do want to make sure that I'm making their life easier. So it is only benefiting me to make sure that I understand what's going on in the industry. Am I the best at it? No, I'm definitely not. But I, I try to, you know, Google search or ask questions or just, you know, the other day I was watching a documentary um, on, uh, I think it was on Netflix just about the different innovative technology that's coming out. I, I forget the name of it, but it was talking about, you know some of the AI that BMW has has taken in, and, and another application that a train company or an application that they're using for trains in the UK to, to track um, different areas of the the train that aren't functioning properly to know to stop the train and fix it. So it's just you know random things, and I I try to stay as much in the know as I can. Technology is changing so fastly that you, or, or so quickly that you can't. Keep up with everything. But I think asking questions, researching and just being interested in general is really what has allowed me to stay, you know, as in the know as I can be.
0: Yeah, there's there so many different mediums that it's it's hard. I, I, I find myself rotating between uh, books at some points, podcasts at other points um, t- to that point. Are there other are there books that you've read that you found interesting early on in your career? Um, or stuff that you're reading now.
2: So that is where I I say so all the time when I start the answers to my questions. But um, podcasts and books are where I get my work life balance. I do okay. I really try to focus. If I'm going to read a book, it's going to be something that I'm really um, it's going to release me from what I'm doing or separate me from my job. Podcasts too. I think. I will be honest, and this is not a plug to you guys, but but I really do only listen to the tech sales show when it comes to work related podcasts. Um, any other podcast I listen to is purely just for me to kind of have background noise. In the mornings, I listen to you guys, or when you release the, you know the podcast that you have, um, I, I will listen to to the weekly one. But but other than that, podcasts or books that I listen to or read are really just my time to separate myself from what I'm doing because it's reading is something that I really enjoy. I love James Patterson. So that's, you know, if if you want to ask me what books I'm reading, it's going to be one of those. Um, I do time to time read, uh, self-help books or, or, you know, different sales, uh, you know, I've read the challenger sale. Uh, our founder has a book called how to castrate a bull. That's really funny and also really great to understand how our company was founded. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different books that you can read, but I I try to focus books and podcasts on, um, my, that's my life balance from work (laughs) aside from the tech sales show.
1: Nice. So when this gets released in a future Monday from now, are you going to listen to it (laughs) or are you going to like, Oh, I can't listen to it.
2: I don't know. I don't like the way I sound on a microphone. So I may just listen to it really quickly and then, and then move on. But no, I, I really do. This podcast has been so helpful to me and the tools that you offer are really helpful. And I do fall back to it a lot. You both have been very helpful. Um, Bobby, I know I've, I've called you and I've needed some, you know, last minute advice or when I just want to hear a perspective of somebody that's outside of, um, you know, my internal area of, of work and, and trying to get some, some feedback. So I really appreciate you both being so receptive and and helpful. And, and I, and I hope that, um, I don't know if any of this is going to help anybody, but hopefully it does.
1: <laughs> oh, it will. Trust me. Uh, and I mentioned it a couple times on the show, but I don't ever think I call it who it was, but we just barely missed meeting each other a few months back when you were in Houston. I and uh, I really hated that that didn't work out, but maybe in another city at another time.
2: Yeah, definitely. I was at the the women in tech conference in Houston. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, maybe another time when I'm, when I'm in Houston or when we're in the same city, we can definitely get together.
1: Awesome. I would love that. So let's jump to the rapid fire portion. I'm not sure if you read all these questions or not, but the, you'll be surprised. And I know you've continued to stay humble about your sales career, but you're way ahead of others that were in your shoes two years ago. So we'll alternate these questions, uh, and your short, your answers don't need to be short, but. It is intended to be a little bit of rapid fire. So mm-hmm. in your peer set, the group that you work with today, the, the new field sellers in commercial or enterprise, what is the biggest weakness that you see over and over again? And maybe this is your competition that you see them do that gives you the chink in the armor to go take down a win. What what do you think the biggest weakness is that you see?
2: Uh, I will say – My first thought is just not asking the right questions when you get down to really trying to build the right solution for the customer. um, You know, asking the right questions gives you the answers that you need to make sure that you can combat or fight back when there is a competitive, um, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a battle, but when there's a competitive situation and, and you've got a customer saying, well, this, you know, this vendor said this. And if you ask the right questions and you can, you know, regurgitate what that was and say, well, we, we had this conversation about, you know, what this challenge was or, or what this need is. And this is how we address it in this way, specifically to what you're asking. Um, so I, I think asking the right questions is important.
0: Yeah, and that's probably also a good answer to the second one, too, which is one thing you wish tech sellers would do more of. Um, what do you think tech sellers should do less of? Assume. Yeah.
2: I think that's I think that's the worst thing that anybody can do is is assume the answer to any question or any I I have my manager asking me questions all the time and before I just say something because I want to answer what he's asking, I will literally tell tell him I don't know the answer to that question because I didn't ask it, but I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. Or I just, you know, it's it's a good cue in my mind of this is something that you should always ask. And Assuming doesn't, doesn't do anything good for anybody. And um, that's something we should do less of.
0: It's a great point. That's both internal to your point and external with, uh, with prospects and customers as well. And I'm going to interrupt you
1: real quick, Brian, and say, I really wish you could have worked for me at some point, Samantha. Just
0: (laughs) that answer is
1: like such the quintessential answer that managers want to hear from their employees. Because that gives them a chance to teach, learn, and not make the same mistake. So great, great, great job.
2: I'm a big proponent of constructive criticism. I would rather hear what I could do better than just be told, you know, keep doing what you're doing. So um, I I think that if if I can be honest, even if it's maybe not what my manager wants to hear, um, I'd, I'd rather do that and learn from it early on then just start making things up because I think that it's what somebody wants to hear. That doesn't do anybody any good. It sets unrealistic expectations on yourself. It adds extra stress that you don't need. And I think that it, um, it doesn't set a good selling motion into, into who you are as a seller in general.
0: When, um, the next question is, what's one... Attributes that you admire or like the most with tech sellers, and I, one of the things I heard you mention early on, and kind of throughout the conversation, is that you're a very organized person. Time management skills is one of your strengths, and that's a characteristic I think, or an attribute I think, that will be critically important for you not only early in your career, but but late in your career too, as a senior account executive or whatever direction you decide to go. Are there any other attributes that you that you wish you had more of, or a characteristic that you appreciate about about yourself?
2: The one thing that comes to mind is process. Uh, I have a colleague that's on my team, and he is awesome at process. He is just—he cleans his inbox every day. He has no unread emails, and literally zero emails in his in his uh, inbox folder. He organizes them and puts them in the right folder, or puts them in a an archive folder. And and that's something that I really wish I was better at doing. I think that's. Um, it's, it's pretty daunting when I look at my, my email. So that's a very specific thing, but, um, I try to be organized. I'm definitely a timely person, but I try to be organized. Sometimes, you, you know, there's things that can happen and I don't like to feel disorganized. And I think that's where the organizational part comes into play because if I feel organized, I feel less stressed. Um, so I would say, um, if, if I could be better at, different processes of um, following through on certain things, it would, it would probably make my life a little bit easier. I'm working on it, but um, yeah, I think the email thing has, is, is a huge part of that.
1: We've talked about a lot of little things and big things, but like what's the one resource that you would share with new tech sellers?
2: So this is not a resource that you can look up. Or um, ask for questions, but I went into a. I have a, I have a partner that has a a. Um, their, one of their walls is a, basically they painted it with whiteboard paint, so you can write on it with a like dry erase marker. And I found on Amazon whiteboard wallpaper, and I put it on one of my walls in my apartment, and that is where I write down. Any of my deals, anything that's outstanding, it's where I whiteboard out technology if I don't understand something because I'm so visual that if I can draw it out and be on a call with an engineer and say, does this look right? And they can validate your understanding it. Um, that's, it's a weird one, but the whiteboard wallpaper has been life changing for me. And um, it, it helps me visualize and see where I am in my quarter um, it helps me plan for the next quarter so I can see it out in front of me. I don't like to write my notes on my computer, which is very strange being a, a millennial. Um, I need to handwrite things. So when I put it up on my wall, it just it's easier for me to, to conceptualize and, and visual it, visualize it.
0: Great. What's um, You mentioned um, self-help books. You talked about challenge yourself. And I don't want to mess this up, but I think you said something... Like how to crash straight a bull, so we'll, yes, we'll, have to, yes. we'll have to link to that in the show notes. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Any any other books that you read that you really appreciated, and that can be like non tech sales types book type books.
2: So I'm reading a book. I think it's called Yeah, it's called The Operator by Robert O'Neill. He's actually the the guy that killed Osama bin Laden. Um, oh wow. And he wrote a book about it. I think it's, like, the only book that the NSA has approved to, to you know, be out there in the public. And it's really great. Um, and it's not just great on a uh, – it's not just great because you get to understand and learn, like, how that happened. But there, the guy that wrote it, uh, he's a Navy – he became a Navy, Navy SEAL. And the background of his story is really interesting about how he – Um, saw something that he didn't like in himself and wanted to change it. And he really just buckled down and um, followed through on ideas and envisions that he had for his life. And he he really puts things into perspective that sometimes I think are not that important and they should be or um, things that stress me out that really shouldn't stress me out. I, I tend to overthink or think too much about things that at the end of the day are not that big of a deal. And, and in, in this book, it's been really great to to read, you know, some of the things that he's experienced that are a lot more uh, life threatening than me closing a deal. So I, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's put a lot of things into perspective and it's been a really great read. So I suggest it to anybody that's just looking for uh, something else outside of the industry.
0: I think it's great. I think, I think um, this is the type of career that can really suck you in and you can lose a little bit of external perspective. And uh, I'm the same way. I like reading non-sales type books like this. It helps me kind of broaden my perspective. So that's a great suggestion. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, Any, any sort of causes, Samantha, that you would like to make everyone aware of that you're, that you're a part of, or that you uh, participate with?
2: The only one that I can really talk to is is Operation Dignity Outreach, and that's something that a colleague of mine started. uh, We we started it, actually, in my apartment two years ago. Um, It was at Christmas, and it was a couple of girls. We wanted to get together and just celebrate, you know, the holidays. And we wanted to also give back and giving Christmas presents to each other, and it turned into... Now is Operation in the Outreach. We call it do and essentially, we um, through Women in Technology Organization at NetApp, we partner with them and pack bags for the homeless, specifically women and children. But it also can go to women and men and um, children in our local community. And it can be in North Carolina. We have three other of our offices uh, that are participating in this now. But essentially, we, we pack basic necessities in drawstring bags and take them to shelters so that they can hand them out to people that uh, are in need. And so if, if anyone's interested in, in getting involved or trying to figure out a way to bring that to your community, it's not something that we're asking donations for. I can give you a, you know, a Google Doc that lines everything out and you can bring it to your community and, you know, take it on yourself and just um, try to do better for or do good for other people that, that need our
1: help. Awesome stuff. So I assume the best way to find you is LinkedIn.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we'll put your contact in the uh, show notes there. Samantha, I know you've only been in this role for a couple years now. Uh, I hope to talk to you in two more years when you're killing it and you (laughs) win the biggest award that NetApp has and goes on the coolest and biggest trips. Uh, This can be a very fruitful career. We love helping you. We love helping everybody else on the show. As always, don't be average. Average sucks. And thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show.
0: Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.